God allows, uh, next week we'll do our final installment, which will be a summary of this. I trust that this study has been eye-opening for you, revelatory. Um, You'll find that in modern-day preaching, there's a difference between your soul being thrilled and your spirit being illuminated. And I trust that these lessons illuminate your spirit to see the riches and the depth and the intricacy of God's love and faithfulness and works in being your nearest kinsman. Stand with me this morning, if you will, for the reading of God's word. Josh, if you turn me to just a small touch, buddy. Then Boaz went up to the city gate and sat down there, and behold, the kinsman of whom Boaz had spoken came by, and he said to him, Turn aside and sit down here. So he sat down. And then Boaz took ten men of the elders of the city and said, All of you sit down here. And he said to the kinsman, Naomi, who has returned from the country of Moab, has sold the parcel of land which belonged to our brother Elimelech. And I thought to let you hear of it, saying, Buy it in the presence of those sitting here and before the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not redeem it, then say so, that I may know, for there is no one beside you to redeem it, and I am next of kin after you. And he said, I will redeem it. Then Boaz said, The day you buy the field of Naomi, you must also buy Ruth the Moabitess, the widow of the dead man, to restore the name of the dead to his inheritance. And the kinsman then said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest by marrying a Moabitess I endanger my own inheritance. He probably meant, I cannot redeem it for myself because if I marry her, my wife isn't going to be too happy about it. That's probably what that means. Seriously, just study your scripture. It's probably in there. Take my right of redemption for yourself, for I cannot redeem it. Now, formerly in Israel, this was the custom concerning, concerning redeeming and exchanging. To confirm a transaction, a man pulled off his sandal and gave it to the other. This was a way of attesting in Israel. Therefore, when the kinsman said to Boaz, buy it for yourself, Boaz pulled off his sandal and gave it to him. And Boaz said to the elders and to the people, you are witnesses this day that I have bought all that was Eliminux and all that was Chilions and Melons from the hand of Naomi. And also, say also, also I have bought Ruth the Moabitess, the widow of Melon. I have bought her to be my wife to restore the name of the dead and his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brethren and from the gate of the birthplace. You are witnesses this day. And all the people and the elders said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, the two who built the household of Israel. May you do worthily and get wealth and power in Ephrata and famous in Bethlehem. And let your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah, because of the offspring which the Lord will give you by this young woman. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And he went into her, and the Lord caused her to conceive, and she bore a son. And the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a close kinsman, and may his name be famous in Israel. And may he be to you, and may your kinsman be to you, a restorer of life, a nourisher and a supporter in your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is better to you than seven sons, has borne him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him in her bosom and became his nurse. And her neighbor 
the neighbor women gave him a name saying, A son is born to Naomi. And they named him Obed, who was the father of Jesse, the father of David, the ancestor of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Help me this morning, Lord, to be what you've called me to be generally and what you've planned for me to be specifically today. Let me say it just how you want it said. Let me say it in a way that can be heard. And may people receive today, Lord, the living word of God for their life. One promise. One change. One clarification. One encouragement. One invitation from you changes everything. God, I'm asking you, don't let people just come today and listen to a sermon and go eat. Let them hear your word and receive it. Then they have all that they need for what is ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated this morning. I don't want to spend a lot of time digressing on that, which we've already discussed. But one of the paramount types here, Naomi being Israel, Ruth being Gentiles, the Jews and Gentiles, uh, the turning away of Israel made an opening for the church to come in. Naomi had to leave Bethlehem to go to Moab to bring Ruth in. And then Ruth being a part of the healing of Naomi that brings both together together again in one under the kinsman. Beautiful, beautiful typology. But I want to speak to the individuality of each of us today and talk about two words. Our one word is two words. Uh, well, redemption and restoration. The emphasis being on restoration. Redemption and restoration. Very quickly, I want to give you the redemption of Ruth, and then I want to spend my time on the restoration of Naomi. This idea of types and shadows in the Old Testament pointing to Jesus Christ. They're not perfect types, meaning that every detail in the story does not apply to Christ, but every detail that applies to Christ applies perfectly. That's how you understand a type or a shadow. This idea of a kinsman redeeming Ruth. You remember we talked last week about the covering, how Ruth came to him and she was bathed and she changed her garments and she put on perfume. But it doesn't matter what you do to this outer body unless your kinsman receives you. There's no change. You just go home and get dirty again. She could not give herself a new name. So this idea of redemption for Ruth, listen, it was, done, it was discussed openly. Clearly, in front of many witnesses, the story of redemption was discussed in time past in the uh, divine Godhead of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. The idea of redemption began in Genesis and woven through all of the law, history, poetry, major prophets, minor prophets, the Gospels, the Epistles. All of the, the book of Acts, it's all woven through and it was discussed openly. And this, this story of our redemption was not done in secret. In the same way Boaz talked about it in the city gates and Ruth and Naomi talked about it behind closed doors. It is a public knowledge. This nearest kinsman was power. Uh, Ruth's nearest kinsman was powerless to complete it. I'm getting on Wade this Sunday. Uh, this is get on Wade Sunday. Last week he started to steal my thunder a little bit at closing. I was like, don't, don't, don't do that. But so I'm going to go ahead and 
reiterate what Wade was, I was thinking the other day, uh, what Wade said. And verse 6, listen to this. The redemption of Ruth, her nearest kinsman, was powerless to complete her redemption. The kinsman said, who Boaz approached and said, you must buy Ruth as well. He said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest by marrying this Moabitess I endanger my own inheritance. Take the right of redemption, for I cannot redeem it. That points to the inability of the law. Closer than God in his holiness is the law that convicts us. The law that condemns us. Listen to this in Romans 8. A very familiar portion of Scripture followed by a not-so-familiar portion of Scripture that enlightens the first Scripture. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. We like that. We know that. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Yes, redemption. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh... God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. He was saying, the law is saying, I am unable to help you. I can give you the do's and don'ts. I can give you the thou shalt nots. But I cannot get you to live up to the standard. The law was not written to save you. The law was to teach you that you needed a savior. It is impossible for me to be your kinsman. You mean someone was nearer to me than God? God in his holiness? Absolutely. What was nearer? The law bringing to the surface your unrighteousness. How would I know I was a sinner if there was no law? That's why if Jesus tarries, we'll be doing our series in February Speaking about Christ the Savior, we are having a groundswell in the Western world, not in the foreign countries, in the West, of a gospel that does not have a redeemer, a God that does not have uh, a, a gospel that does not have a redeemer or a, a kinsman or a, a penal substitute. There was no uh, death for our sins. We obtain our salvation through works of the law, by loving, love wins. See, if I love you, that's the fulfillment of the law, but it still doesn't deal with our sin. Well, there really aren't sins. Because adultery is not a sin. That's my truth. You know, I can wash that away. But the law, the law brings to our heart and our awareness that we cannot be redeemed. So this new gospel lets you approach God on any path, in any condition, with any motive, and be accepted because we're all God's children. No, be careful of the nuances. We are all God's creation. We are not all God's children. The powerlessness of the law to help us. The redemption of Ruth. The Bible speaks of the removal of this nearest kinsman. Not, not only was this kinsman, the law, powerless to do it, Boaz said, we got to get him out of the way. We got to move him. Listen, there's, I, I don't know, you know, some of you may not be students of the word in the sense that you may not love it. But don't you love it when something rich stands out to you and you go, yes. Not only did he say, I will not redeem it. Then the crowd comes in and we push him out of the way. Here, take my shoe and get out of here. Get him on out of the way. Well, where do you get that from? Listen, Colossians 2. 
And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all your trespasses. There's the redemption. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and taking it out of the way. Nailing it to the cross. Where's the nearest kinsman? Where's the law? I'm right here. Come here. And he nails it to the cross. He goes, you no longer have a right over this one. What you were unwilling to do, what you were unable to do, what you were incapable to do, even if it's because of her weakness, I am willing, able, and powerful enough to complete it. This redemption was public and complete. Boaz says, you are witnesses. I have bought all that belongeth to Elimelech. I have bought all that belongeth to Ruth, and she is to be my wife. All. I have bought every bad thing you've ever done. I've paid for it. Every good thing you've ever done. I've bought your pre-birth. I've bought your life after birth. I've bought your life at death. And I've bought your life in the life to come. All. I am saved all. I am saved from all. He purchased the thought of me. The thought of me. Before my mother knew my daddy, he purchased me. That all is the clarity that gives the dying man the ability to smile at his wife and children and say, baby, don't you worry about me. He purchased all of me. I'm ready to stand before the one that paid for it all. I'm not, tr say, hey man, you say, I'm trying to be saved. Mm, wh what? You can't try to be saved any more than you can kind of be pregnant or kind of shoot a shotgun. This transaction was done. If you've had the luxury of paying off a car or a house and you get that title in the mail or a deed, and it'll say deed book 723, plat book page 25, uh, plat page 4, and it says this is free and clear. I'm grateful today that I'm not living my life toward salvation. I'm living my life from salvation. Walking in the newness of life. Walking by faith in grace. And this redemption was deeply intimate. He said, I have purchased Ruth for my wife. Some of us who are born again know the Lord intellectually only. We know the Lord doctrinally only. We refuse to believe or we're unwilling to make ourselves vulnerable to the emotions of intimacy with God. Because that changes everything. To know that my Redeemer liveth and to love my Redeemer are two different things. I remember on the stage the first time I heard the phrase in my heart. It wasn't audible. That the Lord said, I'm enjoying you. I'm enjoying you. I was just preaching. Enjoy you. It doesn't mean I'm flawless. It doesn't mean I'm perfect. Oh, you're saying God spoke to you? Yeah, I believe by His Spirit. And it wasn't that my antenna is so holy 
that I hear something. He wanted me to know something that if I heard and believed it would change the dynamic of everything else. How many hundreds of times have I prayed now at our family table and at Thanksgiving, at Christmas, and in, with my friends, I said, and God, may we be aware of your pleasure in this moment as we enjoy each other. To be his wife. To love him. He said, I purchased you to love me. I've purchased you to be affectionate. I've purchased you to notice me. To desire me. To praise me. To be vocal of me. You know what the greatest need of a woman is? To be loved. How can you say that? Because God, if he was God, he would command man to meet her greatest need. Love your wife with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your wife. Could it be that we're living our Christianity in a legal union with little to no intimacy or affection? It changes when you let the Lord love you. I love the Lord. Yeah, but does he love you? I, I don't want to talk about that. Our pride is so set and enthroned that it will allow us to serve but not be served. It will allow us to love but not be loved. It will allow us to enjoy but not be enjoyed. It revels in being needed but will not let itself need the other. We used to sing a song in the church years ago. I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Every hour, I need thee, oh Lord. Now, churches, can I thrill you with the music or the light show or the fog machine or the stage rising and falling or Cirque du Soleil? Can I bring that inside here? And did I thrill you instead of hearing that he loves me? He bought you for intimacy. Immediately in this sex-saturated society, we think of sexual. No, intimacy. Into me see. Intimacy. You know, it's hard to tell this to a 20-year-old, but if you live long enough, and there's friends of mine been married here a long time, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. You know what the beauty of marriage is? To know and be known, both. To love and be loved, both. To care and be cared for, both. To serve and to be served. And if you do one side of it, it is dwarfed and or robotic. If I were to ask you, do you love the Lord? Most of the people say, yeah. But if I were to ask you, does the Lord love you? You'd give me a doctrinal answer instead of a tearful, joyful, <laughs> absolutely he loves me. He bought all of me so I could take his name and live with him. You know what my favorite part of the doctrine of the rapture is? When you're, you know, I, I, I explained the rapture to Elisha. He said, we're going to fly. 
<laughs> I said, yeah, he goes, cool, that's going to be cool. We're going to uh, kick the, the devil in the face. We're going to put our foot on death and, and, and mock. Absolutely. Well, yes, but that's not my favorite part. My favorite part is, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Why is he coming for you? Let, let this get in your heart. Grab the emotion of this. Because where I am, I want you to be. Do you hear the tenderness in that? If I go, I go to prepare a place for you and I'll come again. Why am I coming again? Because you're my wife. And where I am, I want you to be. I'm preparing a place for you. I'm preparing heaven for you. I'm longing for you. Don't, don't let your faith slip into an emotionless theology. Even if it's accurate, it can't be soulless. He said, I bought Ruth for my wife. So we who have been redeemed, we know that we are loved, we are desired, we are enjoyed, and we are paid in full for. We belong to God, not coming to belong. That's good. All right, shift gears. Number two, I want to talk to you about restoration. So the redemption of, of Ruth, that's all of our redemption. But Naomi not only deals with the backslidden state of Israel, who, by the way, will be restored through another, which is the church, and they will be saved in a day. True. But I want to focus on the individual aspect today, if you will allow me. This restoration of Naomi, do you remember when she left? She left out what? Full. And she came back empty. She left Bethlehem, married. She came back a widow. She left happy. She came back bitter and sad. Everything had been lost in this season. And we're not going to get into should she have left, should they have left. No, but nonetheless, Naomi's life is easy to see and desirable to avoid. But her restoration began before it was realized. Now, in the preaching of this word, you're going to have some people that check out, that don't listen. There'll be some that hear it and go, this is sadly what's what happens is, that was neat. Others will say, that was really good. But do you know if you can grasp this from the Bible as the word of God, you have access to everything that God is by faith in that word. Okay. This restoration began before it was realized. God knowing all things used their rebellion and or unbelief, whether they were rebelling from the judgment of God for the famine, because famine comes during judgment, God says, or unbelief that God was going to provide. He's using those weaknesses to get Ruth and Elimelech's family down to Moab so that they can bring Ruth back because Ruth was part of the plan. You see, you don't get to be the great-grandmother of King David without being in the plan. So see, Jonah had to go down into the ocean, into the belly of the fish for three days. He had to go down when he went down and had to come up when he come up because Jesus was going to teach from that. And he said, as Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days, so shall the Son of Man. You see, God is organizing your temporary and eternal res restoration 
before you realize it. I've said this often, and I, I don't want to go into my story uh, in depth, but years ago, uh, in a room where people were gathered for two years on Tuesday and Friday praying for my wife to come home, my wife was in the room praying for my wife to come home. You see? That just, I just, I know, right? How do you, you deal with the, God hates divorce and it's outside of God's, absolutely, all of those things. But you need to know this about, for those of you that are bruised and shattered and empty and void and hopeless and faithless, your restoration doesn't start with your feelings. It starts with his goodness. <laughs> He's working. Bef by the time you recognize it, when Grandma and Kelly and Rebecca and everybody's cooking on Thanksgiving, by the time I smell it, the meal's almost done. Right? Right? I said, We're about to have lunch. Well, you're sharp as a tack. You can smell it. But we started cooking several days ago, yesterday. You see? This restoration was powerful. Because of what was done, how it was done, when it was done, and for who it was done. What was restored? Naomi had, listen, I don't know who I'm preaching to today. And y'all who, who come to this church, you know I don't do this often. I'm telling you, I'm telling you this morning as clearly as I know how. And I wish I had the vocabulary and the intellect to articulate it stronger and greater. I'm giving you the key to tomorrow. I'm giving it to you today. I'm giving you the key. This word on restoration. She had lost her faith. She did not believe that the house of bread could no longer produce bread. She lived in the wash pot of God for 10 years. She came back blaming God for everything in her life. Her faith was gone, but it was restored. Her heart was shattered, but it was restored. Her spiritual sight was gone, and God gave it to her back. Her expectation of good was gone, and it was restored. Her ability to receive was gone. Her praise was gone, but it was restored. When you look at Naomi before, and you look at Naomi and her departure... And then you look at her coming back and having seen her friends for the first time in 10 years. No cell phone, no social media, no phone, no phone calls, nothing. And they say, Naomi, her first words out of her mouth weren't, hey, girlfriend, nothing like that. Don't call me pleasant. Call me bitter. Oh, praise the Lord. Bitter, come on. <laughs> y'all, I've lived long enough. Some of y'all go up and just hug. And I just go... I don't need that there. Just, I have to spend some to let her cool off a little bit. Why do you say that? Well, because if you got pneumonia, my, my health won't rub off on you. But you. <coughs> Thank you, Sister Death. I appreciate that. Her restoration was powerful in how it was restored. By divine orchestration of people, places, moments, and purposes. By divine orchestration of people, places, moments, and purposes. Now, I don't have time to go into a lot of it because I don't understand it. But those of you with more of a cerebral activity here, 
with the neurons and the electrons and the ions and how everything has a pattern and it bounces off of this and this sends that going and all and that produces power, Georgia power. <laughs> what do you think about that, John? Uh, I just go over to the light switch right here. I just do this right here. And then watch this when it don't work. Something's wrong. Have you checked the bulb? You checked the bulb. Something's still wrong. Well, did you check the breaker? Something's still wrong. Did you call Georgia Power? But at a plant, we are having nuclear fusion. A systematic orchestration of divine components. And man, is so funny. We think we're intellectual when we discover stuff. God makes the stuff. But look what we found. We found a neuron. And we know how to put it together. Look how we do it. We put it all together. But all of this orchestration produces power. Now watch. So over here at Georgia Power, let's just say this is God. He is ordering your steps to get power to your life. Restorative. How can you say that? Because he said, if I was saved, if I was reconciled, to God by the death of his son, how much more shall I be saved, delivered, restored by his life? Our problem is not our problem. Our problem is that we no longer look unto him as willing, able, and desirous to restore us. When it was restored, after the death of irreplaceable things, after her faith, soul, and body had withered. After the funeral. After, see, we love in the church to do the Miriam dance. The horse and the rider thrown in the sea. Y'all remember that? God has done wonderfully. The horse and the rider thrown in the sea. Everybody, da, 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 timbrels. After. After the Red Sea closes. But I love to see the widow and the single mom and the man who's been abandoned and is raising his kids at a distance through another man. I love to see him before it moves and says, watch what God's doing. Watch what God's doing. See, restoration. Those of us you look at and, and you look at us and you think you're an anomaly or it's not all uh, real or it's uh, uh, over the top. You don't understand that what gives us our silent steady, concrete faith is we were brought back from the dead. From the dead. Why did it have to be the deadness of Sarah's womb for, Abra for Isaac to come? Why did it have to be from a man who no longer could produce seed and a woman who had a dead womb so you wouldn't think this restoration had anything to do with you? You remember the angel told Abram and Sarah, said, you can have a son. Abraham goes, ha, ha. She went. <laughs> they both laughed. They, did you know in scripture, they both laughed. Abraham, Abraham laughed at himself. To himself. Sarah laughed at God. Abram's thinking, how in the world? <laughs> Sarah's thinking, how in the world? Have you seen no man? Have you seen the old woman? How, how in the world? And God, I can prove it to you that Sarah laughed against God because God called her out on it. Why did you laugh? I didn't laugh. Nay, but thou didst laugh. Oh, yeah. 
said, at this time, and soon here in the next future, you're going, you're going to have a baby. And she named that baby Laughter. Isaac means laughter. Because she went from, see, restoration takes things that God has said to you and makes them paramount. She said, I laugh now not at him, but with him. I laugh at the absurdity of it all. I laugh at the improbability of it all. I laugh at the idea of being 58 with three kids under nine. I do. I do. It's the single greatest thing that ever happened to me in my life to a sterile, abandoned, rejected, unwanted man. And how can an abandoned man who is unmarried have babies? Because he was working on my behalf, not because I was good, but because he was good. After you have eye surgery, if you cry, you can't see nothing. I had halos before, and now I got squiggly squiggly. So, okay. so if I say anything bad, I can blame it on misreading it, I guess. And it's powerful because of who it was restored to. Naomi, the bereaved, the bewildered, the barren, the bitter. Moving right along. This restoration did not require her effort, ability, or strength. Only her willingness to receive. Willing to receive. Now, letter D, this restoration came through the work of God in another life. Listen to this in verse 11 and 12. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, the two who built the household of Israel. May you do worthily and get wealth and power in Ephrata and be famous in Bethlehem. And let your house be like the house of Perez who Tamar bore to Judah because of the offspring which the Lord will give you by this young woman. Now, this will be hard for some of us to grasp and some of you individually because of previous circumstances. This morning, I had a, a lady come up to me and she just started telling me a quick story and I went, that, that's the illustration for my sermon. And I'll just give you just the small version. She said, a church experience, and many of us have had these, but it was very harmful uh, uh, in her dream. She had a dream last night. about that's, that's what, right before the sermon, that's what I said, confirmation. She had a dream that this church event that harmed her and her family and turned them all away from the Lord. But you came in and a couple other people and were praying, and God healed our family and we're part of the body of Christ. Well, she's in our church now doing this. So now, just listen. When God begins to restore a life, he often uses the life of someone else. Okay. The Bible says that we who are in the body of Christ are joined fitly together one for another, which means the sap that runs through the, the, the oil of the Holy Spirit, the life of God, the ach, the wind of God that goes through me, that touches you, that touches you, that touches you. I might minister to Wade. Wade might minister to someone, to Jason. And then Jason reached that person. And something he said, some way he treated them, something he did made possible the restoration in their life. I don't need no man, just God. God uses people. And you are the key. You could be the key to someone's lock. 
You could be the rain to their desert. You could be the, the one that speaks and they hear for the first time. Here's what they said to Naomi. said, Ruth the one. Ruth? The pagan idolatry? Your healing is going to come through Ruth. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I say it to her privately, and I'll say it publicly. Kelly was the one God used to heal me. Healed me. I no longer feel worthless or unwanted or... We're not perfect, but the healing was. Are you open to let someone else's words, influence, or nearness heal you? You don't get to pick who they are. God does. When restoration starts to happen, things start getting replaced. He replaces yesterday with today. He replaces painful things with those that are joyful. He replaces the undeserved. This is my favorite line. God, when he starts to restore you, replaces the undeserved things in your life, the things you didn't deserve to happen with the undeserved things. He replaces undeserved things to the negative with undeserved things with the positive. See, we only got one side of this right and accurate, and that's why we stutter step so much and we limp so much. I didn't deserve this. You're right. And you didn't deserve any of this either. When God gets ready to heal you, he doesn't erase the undeserved things that happened. He adds undeserved things to the soup. And you'll know what they are. He replaced the things she had lost with the things she'd never possessed. He replaced cynicism with optimism. And he silenced Mara with the songs of Naomi. Inside our wedding rings, three mentions to Kelly and I today, is the word Psalms 126. May I read this to you? When the, Lord, when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, which means when he freed us, when he let us out, when the season passed, we were like them that dreamed. And then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongues with singing. And then they, who? Other people. Said among the heathen, the Lord hath done great things for them. People look on your life and go, God has done great things for them. Not John was great. Or Kelly was great, or you were great. He goes, look at what the Lord has done here. Watch, the Lord has done great things for them. And then we say, the Lord has done great things for us, whereof we are glad. When the Lord turns again the captivity of Zion, we are like those that dream. Have you ever been so hurt that you wouldn't dare hope again? Do you not see that that's the trick of the devil? For the only thing worse than being disappointed is dying in your unbelief. With every child that God has given us, there's the risk that my baby could die. And don't think I don't think about it. 
As Christians, we don't get to control or hold on to life. But it is ours to enjoy. Are you ready to dream again? Are you ready to... That's Psalms 120. That's, that's, see, you're already backing up. I just can't. Why can't it happen? Why, why can't God be who he wants to be and has called you to be? No, being a Christian does not exempt us from the loss and pain and betrayal and all of those things, abuse, misuse. But being a Christian does promise the activity and supremacy of God's will in and for you. And this restoration created new life. Look at verse 13. Almost done. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife and he went into her and the Lord caused her to conceive and she bore a son. And Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife and he went into her and the Lord caused her to conceive and she bore a son. Did you notice when the, Ruth got pregnant, all the people were talking about Naomi? Did anybody else? Tell me if you noticed that when you were at, yeah. like, Oh, the Lord has blessed you and filled your house. And Ruth's like, I'm standing right here. When you go back and read it. Oh, may the Lord do all these things. Look at how the Lord has blessed you, Naomi. Look how. Why? Because it wasn't Ruth's day. Ruth's day happened when the shoe come off. Okay, watch. But God wasn't healing Ruth by giving her a baby. He was healing Naomi. Because she had no one to hold. She had no one to care for. She had no one that needed her. And God brought through the womb of a pagan wife who they probably did not want their son to marry to start with. Oh, the wisdom and the riches of the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Once or twice before in 10 years, I've shared this quick story. And uh, I asked then, was it okay afterwards? And I should have asked before. And she said, of course. And I don't think she would mind me sharing this with you today. And if not, I'll have to cut her grass for a long time and make it up. My mother-in-law is the best mama. She's mama bear. Don't you mess with my babies. We've had everything we had, I keep going down further down the list. It's my babies, my grandbabies, my horse, and then I'm I'm near I'm under Charlie. I'm near number five. But she she's mama bear, man, and she took care of her babies. It's a single mom. And not only took care of them, raised them with dignity and character. Just, just good. Just faithful as rain. Count on mama. When I came into the picture, spiritually, this is not a character issue. This is what happened to her soul. It was just some boarded off places. You just, we just don't talk about those or address those or do those. Um, I bought her a refrigerator one time and put it in. You remember this? Me and Kelly were going to surprise her. You know, I'm just over the top. I'm like, ta-da! She walked in and she goes, what, what is this? I said, it's a refrigerator. 
This is the truth. Now, she'll give you 10 refrigerators. This was back then. This has been healed a long time ago. But the idea of me just loving her. And she said, uh, I'll be right back. And walked into her room. She didn't know what to do. Diane, the mom, was fine. Diane, the friend, was fine. Diane, the worshiper, was fine. But the person had took some shots. And took some bruises. And heard some things still that were spoken years and years and years ago. I'd love to tell you the refrigerator cured it. It didn't. But if you were to ask me, top five things you've ever seen the Lord do that was miraculous, this is in my top five, and my mother-in-law is in this list. When you say that about your Christian life, where I saw the hand of God, when we brought our babies home from the hospital, I'm going to brag on her again too, every, every day, and when I tell you every day, you know what every day means? There's every day like your friends, I'm going to help you every day, and then there's mother-in-law, I'm going to be there. Every day. She went, she got up at five in the morning, worked all day, got home five, whatever, five thirty. She's at our house by five thirty, six o'clock till nine or ten at night, helping with the twins. And then I would do ten to two, and then Kelly would do two to whenever, you know, it's, it's twins. And every day, every day, washing, cleaning, help, just every day, every day, every day. I walked in my bedroom at 210 Riverdale Drive. Her back was to me. The king bed is facing this way. I walked from the hallway. I remember it like yesterday. It's stained on the inside of my heart. I see it. She's got this rocker, and the twins are on each shoulder. And I come in. I'm just cutting. I was, hey, Ganga, Grandma, you know, Grandma, you all right? do you need anything? She goes, I am just fine. <laughs> now, you may think I'm making this up, but God is my witness. I felt like I had walked into somebody's bedroom. Tip out. I am healing her soul. I saw it. Her babies were grown. They'll always be your babies, but they're, not, they're grown. And he started pouring into her. He started pouring into her. She always had loved. The laughter came and the cutting up. And the receptivity equaled the giving. It was gradual, but you saw it happening. All these things happening. Wait a minute. Then she got her horse. See, Grandma was raised on a farm. And so now watch how it's piecing together. So we get the grandbabies. Then we go to a farm. I ask her to move out to the farm. We have a small house there. She sold her house, moved to the farm, got a horse. Loved it. She is in the back area. You can ask Kelly. With a, with a long rope piece, and she's jogging in a circle like a little girl with this horse. And I'm thinking, what meaneth this? <laughs> I'm restoring her soul. She became a little girl again. Her and Kelly and these horses, dear Lord, if I ever leave a gate open and the horse goes anywhere, I'm coming to live with y'all because they'll, they'll have me. <laughs> now, I say this humbly, please... Don't misinterpret this to think that I think I am anything. Listen, because I'm not. But I was the piece that connected to this piece, that connected to the mama with the babies. And the babies weren't just to feel my wife's heart, but it was to heal my mother-in-law's heart. And now, 
that all that was taken from her, the, 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 her babies were responsibility. This is just joy. It was joy raising them, but this, she's not the same person. And I say that to the glory of the Lord. She came alive. And she's still the same good person. But the capacity to laugh and enjoy and celebrate. And hey, you want to join us? Where early on it might have been no. It's like, absolutely. Yeah, let's go. But we believe that God did it in the Bible. We kind of believe that he did it for her. But don't believe he would do it for you. Brooke, if you'd come, please. Well, this restoration created new life. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife and he went into her and the Lord caused her to conceive and bore a son. Listen to this statement. Y'all, would you give me just 10 minutes? I promise I'll be completely done. Five to 10 minutes. If, if you don't, I'll take 20. Okay. It, it may not even take 20 minutes, uh, 10 minutes. Uh, if you just tell them, guys, we'll be done completely in 10 minutes in the children's church. God did not resurrect, listen, God did not resurrect Elimelech. He gave Naomi a son. That's what the scripture says. Well, it was Ruth's baby. Ask Naomi whose baby it was. Read the story and see whose baby it was. Said, God has given you a son, Naomi. God does not resurrect that which dies, but he creates something different in its place. We don't get our father from the grave. We may get an echo of him through another person. What it is in your life that you just, you just can't believe that he would want to or could or would. Or maybe you just say, I, I just can't find it in my heart to believe that. Well, he doesn't heal you with the same thing that killed you. can be the same person. This life did not only flow into her, but in time began to flow out of her. Now, this to me is amazing. I want you to look in your Bibles, verse 16. It said, the Naomi took the child and laid him in her bosom and she became his nurse. That could mean that she just took care of the baby. Grandma did, listen, I got an all-purpose grandma. Washing, cooking, cleaning, folding, uh, cleaning babies, washing babies, dipping babies, dunking babies, grooming babies. But this verse is not clear. It may mean that she nursed that boy at her breast. And if that's the case, is it any more miraculous than water coming from a rock? From her leathery breast come this life? You know how you know you're restored? Because life not only flows into you, it flows out of you. And you become a giver, not out of necessity, but out of overflow. Ruth's redemption and her restoration was part of an unseen but very real intentional plan. And I believe that God has a word for someone in this room, and that is He is restoring. He is restoring. But you got to participate in it. You got to come back to the house of bread. You got to be open. You've got to recognize his hand and give him credit where it was due.
Stand with me this morning. Those of us who have been restored, truly restored, divinely restored, we know seven things to be true. You rarely see it coming till it's right up on you. And then you're scared to believe that it's really there. The tears do not always stop before the laughter begins. I was crying as I was being restored. Listen, pity and self-pity are addictive narcotics of the soul. If you feel sorry for yourself or let other people feel sorry for you, you will never get well. You cannot embrace this new day and be defined by yesterday. That happened to me, but that is not who I am. I am what the Lord is doing today. And His mercies are new. Every what? So this morning, there are new mercies. This new season is often made possible by or enhanced through other people. Restoration is not about forgetting what you've lost, but for being grateful for what you have. And there is a time and season for everything under the sun, even a time to be restored. If there's a time and season for everything under the sun, then there's a time to be restored. I'm not a prophet. I'm not the son of a prophet. But there are people in this room I believe by faith I can tell you this. As dead as your marriage is, God's going to restore you this year. And it won't be because somebody deserved it. And if you're part of that marriage, don't maneuver or help. Get out of the way and watch what God can do. There are people who have not laughed. I went two years without laughing. God is going to put laughter in your mouth again. There are going to be cynics who turn into optimists. There's going to be worriers that turn into those who are settled. Very quickly. This won't take but a minute. All you're doing is saying publicly, God, I don't care what anyone thinks. Count me in and you go be alone with the Lord today. If this is your need or desire, Lord, restore me. Bring me back to life. Whatever that may be, I want you to come very quickly and stand right here and we're going to pray. Come on. God bless you. God bless you. You know what the area is. I can't do it, God. I can't, I can't get there. I can't do it. Look at this. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. close your eyes with me this morning I was going to pray but I, I just feel like I'm supposed to do this we're in Sarah's house today the one who laughed at God laughter get up you're going to be late for school laughter pick up these toys laughter it's time for lunch laughter laughter 
Has anyone seen laughter? Sarah, why'd you name her laughter? Because God has made me to laugh. He restoreth my soul. With no one looking around, those in the altar, as a child, as a daughter, as a son, I want you just to lift your hands to your father. Restore my soul. Restore my soul. Corey, I'm believing with you today. Restore my soul, God. Restore my soul. Restore my home, Lord. Restore my heart. Remove this bitterness for your glory's sake, O oh Lord. I believe. I believe, Lord. I believe, Lord. I believe, Lord. Yes, God. I just see in my heart the Lord taking you by the hand and saying, you ready to do this now? Are you ready, really? Really? You want to be made whole? You ready to do this? Okay. Pick up your mat. Roll it up. We're not living here anymore. Follow me. Before Jesus found the man at the pool of Bethesda, his back was on his bed. And after Jesus restored him, his bed was on his back. It changed him. Are you ready for a new day? May it happen, Father, today. By your grace and for your glory. A son is born to Naomi. Blessed be the name of God. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Anybody got a shout of praise for God this morning? Thank you, Lord! Thank you, Lord! Be dismissed and blessed in His name. God bless you.